Welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, where we believe that no matter what you've gone through in life, God is inviting you to partner with Him to take back your story. On this podcast, we have inspiring conversations with people who are doing just that. And now, your hosts, Davey Blackburn and Aubrey Sampson. Hey, everybody, welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. I'm your host, Aubrey. And I'm Davey. And today we have an incredible interview with. This is very unique. It's a different kind this of is unique type of for us, interview. Davey. That, yeah, that we brought Michael Jr. Many of you guys are going to know the comedian mm-hmm. Michael Jr. We brought him on the podcast because we wanted to talk about uh, a different nuance of pain, and that is laughter. Right? Yeah. How many of you know something that, you don't think about? <laughs> yes, but the, but to be honest, I mean, you, th- you look at Ecclesiastes and you see that you know there's a season for mourning and a mm. season for dancing. There's a season for That's weeping, good. a season for laughter. Yeah. And and I think it's really imperative that we also make sure that we're not just sprinkling in, but we're implementing laughter and joy in the midst of all of our pain. And so we wanted to talk to Michael Michael Jr. and his perspective on pain. He is, if you haven't heard of him a comedian who uses dynamic storytelling to bring laughter and encouragement to all audiences all over the world. And he absolutely has been all over the world. All over the world. It's this skill set that he has has landed him on stages like The Tonight Show on NBC, TED Talks, Jimmy Kimmel Live. That's crazy. I mean, crazy. You find him uh, starring in the Sony Pictures film War Room, as well as starring in roles uh, in Selfie Dad, Laughing on Purpose, and more than funny. I'm telling you, he is hilarious. He's getting some work somehow yeah. <laughs> with this comedy. He's he made it, I think. And what? so the listener, you're going to have to understand this because of our technology and the way that we are utilizing te- technology to interview people across the airwaves. Michael Jr. was in Dallas when we interviewed this, when interviewed him and, and, and we're in Indianapolis. And so sometimes we have some issues with technology. So there's going to be some some issues with the audio that are going to sound a little awkward because he'll, right. he'll maybe crack a joke and I don't laugh, or at least it appears that I don't laugh. I assure you, I was laughing on the <laughs> other side. You were dying of laughter, yes. <laughs> but there was a little bit too much of the like crosstalk going on and echoing going on in the microphones. And so our wonderful audio engineer, Tommy Travis, had to do some miraculous work to kind of uh, clean all of this up. But I promise you, just just be aware of that as you go through. This is an incredible conversation, and he really does... Um, bring a lot of levity to th- some things, mm-hmm. but then depth of wisdom yeah, he does. as well. So I'm excited for you guys to listen to this. Yeah, this is a great, great episode. Hey, Davey, can I read a review that we got recently? I it's would such love that. A good one. I think it's my okay. favorite part of the Nothing Is Wasted podcast when we read reviews. We read reviews and we love when you review us. Uh, so thank you yes, for doing do. that. Here's a review that's um, called, this is the title. So healing, relevant, and biblical. I feel like that's all it needs to say, but it it actually says more than that. (laughs) Uh, This podcast has stretched my faith, grown my love for Jesus, and brought healing to my heart. It reminds me that on the other side of the tragedy in my family's lives, there is hope, grace, and powerful truth to receive from Jesus. Wow. Not wow. awesome. That's so good. I, so encouraging. I just clued in as you were saying that, clued in on that phrase on the other side. Mm. And I just feel like maybe there's someone who needs to be encouraged that you're going to, you're going to be on the other side of this, yeah, whatever you're going so through, good. you're going to be on the other side. And we talk a little bit about kind of the idea of what to do as we go through it um, with Michael Jr. Now, before we listen to this conversation, um, I want to make sure that we feature our sponsor for this particular episode. This episode has been sponsored by Dwell Daily Ministries, who helps women to find freedom in God from their hurt and pain through dwelling with Him, dwelling with their own stuff. And once they've been able to find that freedom, they're able to enjoy dwelling with others so much more and being a support to each other. Um, Dwell Daily Ministries has a podcast called the Dwell Daily Podcast, where they share stories of hope, insight on dwelling in hard situations. And you can find them on Facebook and Instagram by just searching Dwell Daily Ministries or at www.dwelldailyministries.com where they've got classes, Bible groups, marriage groups, spiritual mentoring, and more. want to make sure that we point you in that direction. want to thank Dwell yeah. Daily Ministries for sponsoring this episode of the Nothing Absolutely. Is Wasted podcast. Thank you, Dwell Daily. We're so thankful for this. Um, stick around. Davey and I are going to unpack a little bit of Michael Jr.'s episode and some of the things that we felt like God was showing us through it. So let's go ahead and listen to Davy's conversation with Michael Jr. 
Michael Jr., it's so good to have you joining me on the podcast. Thanks for making the time. Yo, thanks for having me, man. I really appreciate it. Well, you know, we got a chance to chat just a second ago where I filled you a little bit in on the reason why we have this podcast and the audience that we're talking to. And uh, when my producer came and said, hey, let's have Michael Jr. on the podcast, I thought, well, I know exactly what Michael Jr. does. He makes me laugh. And while we probably need a lot of that, that's for sure. Um, I, I also know that pain is the common denominator of life, that everybody deals with it, including you, including those of you who make us laugh for a living. And so I'm just glad to have this conversation. Yeah, it's one of the common denominators as well, because another thing is, of course, laughter. That's everybody has to deal with laughter, too, at some point. Like everybody laughs. Yep. I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on, but laughter really has a way of... Uh, of opening up our hearts so we can receive the information that is around us. We just have to make a choice about what information we're going to receive in those moments. And your story is so, I don't know if powerful is the right word for it. Cause it's probably a little more than powerful. So I'm just, I'm honored to, that you would trust me uh, to be a part of this platform. Cause I know there is a lot of people hurting and um, yeah. Yeah. if I get to be a part of it, that's dope. I actually started a nonprofit because of that exact thing. I have a nonprofit called Funny for the Forgotten, where mm. we go to homeless shelters and prisons, abuse children's facilities. And really the hope is to make laughter commonplace in those uncommon places. So wow. sometimes the people who really need to laugh are the ones who have the least access to it. So if yeah. I get to be a yeah. part of that, cool. Yeah. So this yeah. this territory is a isn't a um I think it's it's your territory is is in need of laughter as well, but yet understanding. Sure. Yep. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Well, just in case folks are listening and they, and they don't, they, they don't know what you do. They don't know who you are. Tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into all of this. Uh, I'm a black man. Yeah. Six, two. Yeah. That's pretty, that's all you need to know. Really? I don't know what else to got. <laughs> no, no, no. So I get to travel the world doing, bringing laughter to people. Somebody recently referred to me as a comedic thought leader. And I was like, ooh, I like that. So I got the domain. But that's as far as we've gone so far. <laughs> um, that's awesome. I started my comedy. I started my career doing comedy. But then God showed me that, you know, laughter is like people show up at my events or read my books and do that stuff because they want to add laughter to their life. But what I'm really called to do is to add life to people's laughter. Because some people will laugh just as just to try to get away from their issues. But the truth is, is if the laughter could be used to help them deal with and grow through those issues. Now I've done what I'm called to do, which is to comedically inspire people to live their best life. That's what I love to do. Wow. That's awesome. I mean, that, you know, I hadn't thought about it that way, but you're, you're, you're right. Like, as, as you know, I'm a, I'm a public speaker as well. I travel and, and preach at different churches. And, and oftentimes you learn that the, the, the best way to someone's heart, the best way to break the walls down in someone's heart is to create some kind of experience for them or to create humor so that they're open to receive kind of really the seed that you're planting in their heart. And that's essentially what you're saying, right? It's like, we're not laughing to escape our pain and to escape our issues. Although sometimes temporarily that can be all and good and well and true, but really if we can do it for an even deeper purpose, that's the, that's the real hope. That's the real aim. Yeah. That's, that's legit, man. Well, man, how did you, you know, I, I know that a lot of times we see public figures like this and we, you know, we, we get to experience the things that you're doing and we get to enjoy what you're bringing forward to the world, but we don't necessarily know the story behind it, you know? And it's awesome because, you know, you've been great to share a lot of your story behind some stuff and you kind of plant it in some of your material, but what really led to this? And, uh, and is there anything that you can look at from your story that says, man, there's, there's some like real deep pain that really that, that I had to walk through quite a bit to kind of get to the place that I'm at right now. Well, yeah, I think some of my story would be from even in, in uh, like high school really was hard. I have a big, like God created life. And I believe life will bring you people and circumstances to reveal where you're not free. Mm -hmm. Right. I'm a big, huge believer of that. So even in school, like I graduated high school reading at probably a, no, actually almost a fourth grade level. 
which was really hard for me. I was teasing school, putting these classes and all this weird, not cool stuff going on. So education and learning had always been a really hard thing for me. Um, but in retrospect, when I look back at it, it is actually what prepared me for what it is I'm doing now. Like God will never let us go through more than, you, more than we can stand. And I think you're a testament to that because you've been through a lot, yet you're still standing and looking for opportunities to help other people. So one of the things I like to explain to people is, is the way comedy works, using comedy as an example. In comedy, there's a setup and there's a punchline. The setup is when a comedian will make his audience think in one direction, but the punchline occurs when he changes the direction in a way they're not expecting. When you catch on to that change, you receive the punchline and the results are revelation, fulfillment, and joy, but it's expressed through laughter. Well, life is the same way. In life, there's a setup and there's a punchline. Your setup is about what you have received, but your punchline is about what you're called to deliver. And um, a lot of people know their setup, but they don't understand their punchline. So they sort of walk through life realizing that something's missing, like something's missing. I don't know what it is, but something's just missing. But what's missing is you delivering your punchline. Because if when they feel like something's missing, what they'll try to do to fill that void is they'll try to get more set up. If I could just get married, if I could buy a house, if I could start this business, what they really need to know is what is their punchline. So my desire is to help people understand what their punchline is. But another thing that people miss is they don't understand much like, I mean, you are a pretty strong testament to this. Even your setbacks are part of your set up so you can deliver the punchline you're called to deliver. It's like a slingshot or a born arrow. The further you've been set back, the further you can reach. But what are you going to aim for? So you've had what a lot of people will call a pretty significant setback, which is why you're reaching so many people right now. And you're reaching them where it where it hurts currently or where it used to hurt even more. So those very things that that the enemy meant for evil at the risk of sounding like a popular song right now, um, it's God is actually going to use it for good, which is which we find in, in his word. So. I'm just super excited about really your listeners. And I know this may sound a little weird, but I'm super excited at the fact that they're willing to listen to this podcast because they know that it's it's probably some of the breadcrumbs on the trail to the healing and fulfillment that they really need in right. order to deliver the punchline God has called them to. Yeah, so so, so I, I actually look... Um, I get excited. Like when somebody tells me, I mean, to, to your degree, I don't know, but cause you've been through my goodness, like that's some, yeah, that's, but I get excited when people tell me stuff like with regards, what God has trusted me with. When somebody says my, my child is dyslexic, they're doing really like they're dyslexic. They don't know what to do. My first words to them always is yo, congratulations. That is awesome. Your kid can't read like most people. High five. I'll give him a high five immediately. One thing it does, it breaks their pattern. And they're like, what, what do you mean? I'm like, you don't understand. Your kid gets to think completely differently than anybody else. What I would suggest you do as a parent is ask that child questions like, hey, how, what does this look like to you? Like encourage the fact that they think differently. The fact that they've been through different things, which is what you're doing as well, man. I just, I think this is pretty dope what you're doing, man. That's so cool that, you know, you're kind of saying that like what looks like a disadvantage to us, however, wherever you want to put it on the continuum of like severity, you know, it looks like a disadvantage to us. It's actually the thing that God typically uses to set up our greatest advantage in life, right? Like there's a story of a, a guy named Ehud in the Bible. He's the left-handed man, which like that was unheard of back then. There was everybody would fought with their right hand and yet he was this left-handed man but he was the only one that because he was left-handed, he was able to conceal his weapon to go in and, and, and ultimately assassinate the enemy King, you know, the evil King. And it was only because he had this quote unquote disadvantage, probably because his right hand had been maimed in battle or something, you know, but, but that's, that's like what you're saying is if we can reframe it and look at it through a God lens, then we can see what might God be doing in all of this. Yeah, my pastor is a great example of that. I go to Gateway Church, Pastor Robert Morris, mm -hmm. and he had a pretty significant situation where he had to be airlifted to the, to a hospital, and they didn't know 
like it just looked like he just wasn't gonna make it. And the, he has a ranch, and um, the helicopter came, picked him up, and the helicopter landed in a field by his ranch. And his wife had to watch him go off in a helicopter, not knowing if they were gonna make it or not. And if and the helicopter goes off, and then she has to drive two or three hours alone to the hospital where he's headed to. And then after things got better, like he miraculously, this sickness came on him miraculously, and it went away miraculously too, which is, yeah, Jeez. which, so when they come back, he can, he notices that his wife is a little uneasy about that field that they're in, but where the helicopter was, because it's bringing back all these bad memories. So he actually renamed the field to uh, the 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 pad of blessing or something like that. It's like a helicopter pad of blessing. And then thank God for that field. So what he did was he re-associated it in her mind, in his mind, that that is a place of blessing. So for a lot of people who are probably listening right now, is there anything about the scenario you've been through that, that, that may be a visual aspect of what you've seen that you can re- negotiate or rename in your brain so when you see it instead of it triggering a negative memory could it trigger something positive that brings the connection directly to the scenario right to god which is where it is right now but a lot of times people have to have to have the conversation to get there but this happened and that happened but let me tell you what god does no if you can go right to that place and then it takes you right to god and i think in those moments it'll help and I'm not speaking from some experience. I'm just speaking from understanding the brain a little bit. I think it'll help us get that glory to God way faster. Right. right. Well, no, it's absolutely true. I mean, it even, it even, that correlates with like conventional, um, universal truths about healing from trauma. Right. Um, which all, all truth is God's truth. Right. So if science has discovered wow, there's a way that, that our brain can be rewired by certain techniques, really that they're getting that because God wired our brain to do a certain thing. And so now he's given us wisdom to be able to know how to rewire that. But what you're talking about is you're, you're talking about revisiting these places of trauma, these wounded places that oftentimes we try to escape from. We try to avoid thinking that that's going to fix things. When yeah, in and fact avoidance not, won't. You can never, you can't avoid it enough. The brain is tricky enough because the brain just wants to protect you. Right. So now you may be afraid of one, like you may be afraid of a field that's in your yard, for example. But then at some point, so if you avoid it and they build another driveway that goes around this way, great. But then at some point you go to go to somebody's house and they have a field that's similar to that. Now you got to deal with that thing again. But if you can just retweak it, Romans 12 two, be not conformed to the ways this world would be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I think you'll just find more peace there anyways. For like significantly so. Which is, you're a, you, I mean, you are that. That's why, like, who in the world creates a podcast after this? Like, who who goes through that and says, you know what? I'm going to help people with this. What? Huh? That's awesome. Well, you know, I mean, I can, like, honestly, I can't take any credit for this because at the end of the day, God just, like, thrusted this. And, and, and it really came from... Oh, you're going to do the this, spiritual. This. You're going to humble out spiritually. Oh, okay, No, cool. no, no. No, what I'm going to say is I'm trying to turn it back on you a little bit because basically the... People, I came across people who told me their stories and I borrowed their faith for a season. I didn't believe it for myself, but as I was hearing other people saying, Hey, listen, let me tell you what happened to me. And this is how God, this is how God met me and got me through it. Then I'm like, Oh my gosh. And I, it, it's like, I extracted a little bit of this like hope for a season. Right. And then, then all of a sudden I'm going, well, we have this public platform and people are leaning in going, well, how are you still pastoring and how are you still leading? And I'm going, no, you don't understand. Like I I'm not right. Like these people are, are giving me hope. These people are encouraging me along the way. You know what I mean? And so that's what this became. So it's like, we're listening to you right now going and people, you know, if they're, if they're in Christian world at all, they know your work, they've listened to you. They've laughed at the stuff that you bring out, you know, the content that you bring out. But, but at the end of the day, you're one of those people that's encouraging us because you have a very real story too, of how God showed up in your life, you know? Yeah. And constantly continues to show up through funny. Like I, I get to find, because I couldn't read 
like everyone else in school, I get to see funny in places most people would never, <laughs> they would never find it. Like to even go into a prison and do comedy. And the reason I can do comedy in those dark places is because I'm not there trying to get laughs from people. That was one of the biggest shifts that I made. And that's like the shift was instead of trying to, cause I used to get on stage and my whole attitude was how do I get laughs from people? Mm. And then God said to me, instead of trying to get laughs from people, I want you to give them an opportunity to laugh. Mm. Wow. I changed everything. Boom. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Unpack that for a second. This, why, why was that such a big shift for you? This like, I want to get laughs versus give people the opportunity. Cause that's huge. Everyone has a question that they're asking, even if they're not aware of the fact that they're asking this question. So yeah. sometimes I'll do uh I'll, I'll speak, I'll do keynotes at different corporations or whatnot. And the, a police department brought me in recently to share the story on how did I get to the place where I was asking this different question of how can I give laughs? Well, basically what happened, and I'll tell you about the police part as well. What happened was I was outside of a club in Los Angeles getting ready to perform. And right before I went on stage, I did a little prayer. I don't do prayers every single time before I get on stage, but I did a prayer and I felt like God said, listen, you're going up there to get laughs from these people. I want you to go up there and give them an opportunity to laugh. Yo, this changed everything. It seems like the smallest little tweak, but it really changed everything because now I'm not looking to take. I'm simply looking for an opportunity to give. So I get up on stage that night and, it, and I didn't even do my first joke for probably 20, 25 seconds in. I'm just getting a feel for the audience because when you have a gift for someone, you don't show up and just try to present the gift immediately. You wait. You assess the scenario and present the gift when they're ready for it. So I remember doing that that night and having um, we had a great time. I leave the club and I'm outside the club signing autographs, taking pictures. And I look across the street and I saw a homeless person. I had never seen a homeless guy outside this club before ever. But that doesn't mean he wasn't there before. That just means before my mindset was how could I get last from people? Why would I even notice them? So when I changed the question, the answer started to change too. I noticed this homeless guy and I had the thought, well, how could I give him an opportunity to laugh? Which is why we now have this nonprofit called Funny for the Forgotten, because it's about bringing laughter to people and answering that question. So I take this concept and this, this police organization called me and I said, hey, I'm talking to some cadets and some veterans and some chiefs and it's a bunch of different police departments. And I said, everyone has a question that they ask. And most people don't even know they're asking this question. For example, you guys, when you go to work, what, what's a question you think you may be asking? And one of the guys raises his hand and he was honest. He said, I'm, my question I'm asking as an officer when I'm driving in the car is, how could I find the bad guys? Yeah. Here's the problem with that question. Your brain is going to answer, your brain can't not answer a question. The issue is, like, for instance, if I said to you, what does a purple elephant look like? Your brain just showed you a purple elephant, right? What does a four-door blue car look like? Your brain just showed it to you. Right. Like, in fact, don't think about a yellow car right now. Like, you cannot do it. Like, you can't not visualize it. So your brain is going to give you answers, but the answers aren't always correct. What does a, what does a purple Jaranga bang look like? You don't know, but your brain was like, I don't know, I'm put something together, and it showed you something. <laughs> I saw I saw a, a dinosaur mixed with a with an orangutan. That's what I'm saying. And I just saw a black and white picture of something with with wings. Like I don't even know what that is. So the answer can't necessarily, but the brain does not want to not answer the question. Yeah. So if you're at so this guy says he's asking the question, how can I find a bad guy? Well, what happens if there's not a bad guy around? His brain will create a bad guy. We'll look for stuff because that's what the brain does. So I said, maybe you guys should ask a different question. Maybe the question should be a question of how could I make my community even better? Because if you ask that question, now you'll see different opportunities. One, you may find a bad guy who doesn't belong there. Or you may notice the little uh, Timothy is, is on the corner sitting down crying because the chain on his bicycle popped. And you got a toolbox in the back of your squad car and you stop and fix his chain and you've just made your community better. Yeah. So people have to ask, what question are they asking right now? And even for a lot of your listeners who've been through such some hurts and some pains, 
Are you asking a question of how can I just make it through the day? Or are you asking a question of how can I see even more of God's blessings today? Those are two totally different questions. Your brain has to answer them. So you have to think about what it is you're thinking about. And it changes everything. Wow, that's so good. Pain is unavoidable. And yet, the primary place I see people get stuck in their pain journey is that they try to avoid addressing it altogether. Recovery starts the moment we choose to take that first step toward wholeness and we lean into the painful emotions. While we believe we have so much to offer as a ministry to help you in your recovery journey, we know there is one area that you need that we don't directly provide, and that is traditional counseling and therapy services. That's why we partner with Faithful Counseling. They are an online worldwide organization that provides virtual counseling from wherever you are. They have licensed therapists who are certified by their state's board to provide traditional mental health counseling from a Christian perspective. You can receive the help you need quickly when you sign up because they match you with a counselor in 24 hours or less. Then you can connect with them anytime via your computer, tablet, or mobile phone through video calls, phone calls, or text messaging. And if your counselor you are matched with isn't a good fit for you, you're able to switch at any time to find someone who better fits your needs. To be clear, Faithful Counseling is not a crisis line, but it can be an incredible resource in your healing journey. It costs $65 per week, and financial aid is available to those who qualify, which you can apply for during the sign-up process. To learn more, go to faithfulcounseling.com slash nothingiswasted. If you sign up through that link only, you will receive 10% off your first month of counseling for being a part of the Nothing Is Wasted community. Again, that's faithfulcounseling.com slash nothingiswasted. And now, back to our interview. This reminds me, we, we have a course that we people go through, we launch in churches. It's called the Pain to Purpose course, right? So it's like, Think of it like the Financial Peace University of pain and trauma, right? It's just this pathway that people are walking. But the whole idea is that we want them to begin seeing purpose. Because a lot of times when people go through pain and trauma or some kind of wounding or hurt, they end up going into self-preservation mode. They go on the defense, they callous up, they kind of close off. They think that that's going to be the the route by which they're going to be healed, right? Let me retreat and let me just kind of see if this wound will heal. Well, what they've done is they've just like put something over a wound, like a Band-Aid, and it's not really getting the treatment that it needs. The treatment it needs is purpose, is helping other people. So to your point, the same thing you told these police officers, hey, instead of looking at how do, I, how do I just defend, how do I go on the defense, how, how can we go on the offense and help and give? That is where we're going to find wholeness and healing take place. Man, so listen, I'm going to give you an example of that. So in this book that I wrote that we're going to talk about at some point, um, there's a chapter, I think it's chapter 23. The book is called Funny How Life Works. So I'm going to tell you one of the stories in the book. So I'm, I'm 19 years old. I'm working at an oil change place. I'm putting in probably 70, 70 to 75 hours a week. And the reason I'm working so hard is because I have an opportunity to become a partner in this oil change business. And I really want to do this. And um, like I get to be an entrepreneur, it's be awesome, I'm super excited. And what happens is um, a couple days before I went to work, I noticed that there was a gas company truck outside of my apartment complex. Now you might be thinking, well, okay, good, good for you. But the problem is, is all of our, all of our heat and all of the appliances were actually electric. So why is there a gas company truck? Well, I did the math and it's not hard to know that this is probably the police and they're staking out one of the apartments across the hall from me and they're probably selling drugs. But I don't care because I'm about to buy me an oil change business. I don't care. Right. So I leave, I go to work one day and I come home and it's dark because and I've been working all day. I smell like 10W30 and uh, I'm, I'm walking, I'm, I'm getting ready to leave. And I, as I, I'm sorry, I'm pulling up in my car and I noticed that it's quiet, but it's too quiet. And I saw a couple legs. I saw some people in a distance kind of scrambling. But when I get to the place where I'm going to pull my car in, there's nobody there. It's super quiet. 
So I already know what is taking place. The police are there. They've probably raided that apartment. And I need to be super careful on what I do next. So I pull my car in to the parking spot. And I roll the window down slowly. For those who don't know uh, what this means. Um, <laughs> this is how I roll my window down. Manual. I had to crank my window down. I put both my hands out the window. And I said, hey, officers. My name is Michael. I have nothing to do with why you're here. I'm coming home from work. Silence. You don't hear anything at all. Completely silent. I said it again. Officers, I'm just coming home from work. I have nothing to do with it. But then it's too it's quiet, so I know I got to get out the car. I can't pull off. So I slowly, super slowly, very carefully get out the car. Clo as I close the door with my hip, my hands are still in the air. 17 officers surround me. Guns out. Yelling, screaming, doing the whole thing. And I get it because they got a job to do. They don't know who I am. I get that part. And as they're surrounding me and they start asking all of these questions, I'm like, I don't got nothing to do with why you're here. I have nothing to do with this. I mean, I'm just coming home from work. And they're checking me and searching me. And they, they're thinking I might be a drug dealer. First of all, I smell like oil. And I got a name tag on. Like, you know any drug dealers that got a name tag that says Michael? Yeah. Like, nobody... So the, the, the problem was, as they searched me, they asked for my ID, I actually didn't have my ID on me. My ID was up in my apartment, so they said, we have to see some identification. So I was like, okay, but I said, okay, but listen, I have a key to my apartment. Soon as I get to my apartment, which is across from their apartment, when I twist that key, that means I have nothing to do with that. I actually live in this apartment. Now, let me back up. I'm 19 years old. What do you think my apartment looked like at the time? Like... And I'm working almost 80 hours a week. Like it was a mattress on the floor, some ketchup and some cornmeal in the refrigerator. Like that's all I had. Right. So I get to the apartment and we twit and there's like seven officers around me. We look like a cartoon, like we're all moving like a cloud together. <laughs> and I reach and I unlock the door and I exhale for the first time because I know this thing is over when it, when it unlocks. But before I could pull the key out, the officers kick my door open and they, and they yeah. push me inside. And now they're searching a the place. Now keep an eye in mind what the place looked like. It looked like a crack house. Right. Right. So they're searching the place. They put me on the ground. And then and then they come back to me because there's not that much to search. Like I don't got it. Like there's nothing there. And uh, they said, we need your ID. And I'm sitting on the floor. And I was like, it's over the stove in the cabinet. And they're like, well, we need to see it. And one officer went to go get it. But then there was this one officer for some reason. To this day, I don't understand, man. He did not like me. I've never met this guy before, but he clearly had something against me, like like he knew me from somewhere. I've never been in trouble with the police like this before. And then he's in charge. So he told the officer who was going to get my ID. He said, you know, you, know, you stop right there. Let him get it. Why would you want me to get it? Yeah. Yeah. And I know something's not right with this move. Right, right. So I have to get up slowly and I'm talking all of my steps through. I'm like, hey, I'm getting up now. I'm walking over to the cabinet. I'm reaching for the cabinet. And as I reach into the cabinet for the ID, that officer takes his gun, puts it to the back of my head, and pulls and cocks the hammer back on the gun. Oh my gosh. And I'm shaking. Yeah. I feel tears going down the side of my face, and I'm shaking. I'm like, is this it? Like, is, like, is this it? And I grab the ID, and I hold it up, and one of the other officers take the ID from me. That officer takes the gun down and then he leaves immediately. The other officers stick around to try to make sure I'm not going to get upset or call authorities or something. Who am I going to call? So all these police officers leave my build, leave my apartment, and I'm sitting there on the floor, really in tears, hurting, like really hurting. And then there's an aggressive knock at the door, maybe 20 minutes later, and the door blows open, and it's this Spanish lady from next who was across the hall. I'm assuming it was her husband or boyfriend who was the drug dealer and they took him to jail. She's screaming, they took everything, they took everything, they took everything. She's all inconsolable and, I, and it's broken English. I don't understand what she's saying, but I know that she's hurting and she's in pain and I don't know what to do. And she's got these two kids with her and the kids are crying and she's crying. And, I'm, and I'm, what I'm not thinking is, it's your fault that this happened to me. I'm just, in my mind, I'm just, I'm disoriented. I don't understand what's happening right now. She's crying and she's crying and then I, I knew what I needed to do. I reached into to that wallet and I grabbed, I had $14 and some change and I handed it to this lady and then she looked at me and she just stopped crying 
And then she gave me this hug that I'm not going to forget ever. She gives me this hug and then her and her kids leave my apartment. And I never saw them again. But here's what really happened in that moment. I was hurt. It was it was a very dark place for me. And this lady shows up and God, even though I didn't know God at the time, uses the same wallet that the officers tried to use to take my life. Uses that same wallet where I can reach into it and give something to someone else. So what the officer said to me, and I'll just say that one officer, what he was really saying to me is you don't matter to anybody. But when this lady showed up, what she was saying was you mattered to me. So in that moment, even though I was in all of that pain and all of that hurt, because I put my head on a swivel and was able to see somebody else who was in need, in that moment is where my healing started taking place. Significant healing. So for those people who are listening, you might be in a lot of hurt or a lot of pain, and and I won't claim to understand it, but I will tell you, as soon as you do, as soon as you decide, wait a minute. How does God want to use this to help somebody else? Everything immediately starts to shift and change and it gives greater purpose to what it is you're here, what it is you're here to do. Yeah. That's so good. Yeah. Jeez, that's so good. Dude, so the lady was a complete blessing. Like she like who in the world? Like how why was she coming to my apartment? That was really God saying, whoa, 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 whoa. Don't, as you said, don't. Because I was sitting on the floor, really just thinking about myself getting, yeah. pulling in more and more and more. Which, and which re- is the natural response, right? I mean, that's natural. Nobody, nobody blames you for doing that. Right? Exactly. But she shows up. I'm able to give to her. And I can tell you, as I sat on the floor, even after she left, I immediately started feeling better. And to this day, I have nothing against. If I ever saw that officer again, I would have hugged that dude. I got nothing against him. I think officers are awesome. I think they got a hard job to do. I think some of them are jacked up, but so are some Christians. There's some creepy Christians out there, by the way. If you're listening and you don't know any creepy Christians, it's you. I'm just going to throw that out there. Like, it's, there are some creepy, creepy Christians. So there's creepy everybody. Not everybody knows what they're doing. We're all on this journey to say, how can I be the best me as possible? But I'm telling you, put your head on. Instead of putting your, if you ever feel like your head is leaning down, you need to lift it up and put it on a swivel and look around because somebody else is hurting and they probably need what you need. And I love what you said about borrowing somebody else's uh, faith in their stories, man. That's just powerful stuff, dude. Man, that's awesome, man. Well, I mean, I, you know, I would be remiss not to say, oh, I'm so sorry for that experience that you had to go through and the, and the wounding, I mean, the very clear wounding and pain that 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 creates inside of you what's been communicated to you that your life doesn't matter right there. And of course, nobody would, nobody would blame you for pulling in and getting reclusive right there. But how cool is it that the Lord, even right there in that moment, gives you an opportunity to see this, this different divine plan that he has for you to be a testimony and witness to other people as well. You know, and I think that over the past year and a half, you know, um, you know, I mean, when you think about COVID, you think about uh, all of the racial tensions that have taken place when there were so many of, you know, so many people that were, that were um, clued in for the very first time, you know, so many people who were just ignorant, they didn't know, but clued in for the very first time of the, the very real trauma and pain that people are dealing with. And I think that what you're saying, we can all learn so much of, to, of how to respond in these situations, because we've seen over and over and over over the past year and a half cases where people have closed off and gone into self-preservation mode. And then we've also seen cases where people have said, no, you know what? I'm going to still give in this situation. It's almost, you know, you made me think of just now, you ever see those, <laughs> we've all seen those commercials where they make some amazing offer. And then somebody says, yeah. but wait, there's more. Yeah. It's almost like that, but wait, there's more moment. Meaning you've been hurt, you've been knocked down. And it's like, God is like, but wait, there's yeah. more. I got so much more for you to do. And it, and the funny thing about those offers too, is a lot of times they're better than what was going on before. Like you're stronger, you're, you're, yep. you have more clarity. God is like, but wait, th- there's more. Like he really, really has more for us to do. It's, it's, it's not over by any degree. So let's see who we can help as a result of this thing. That's so good. That's so good.
Michael, tell me a little bit more about this book. Funny how life works. Uh, what, what, what led you to write it? What are some things that you're really hoping the reader is going to, going to take from this? My main desire for writing a book was really to get some money. Yeah, that was the main <laughs> thing really. No, I wrote the book because a lot of people see the jokes and they see the comedy that, you know, I've been on the tonight yeah. show and comedy central and cool Ted talks, a couple movies and stuff. But a lot of people don't, don't know the stories behind the jokes. Like the one I just told you, like, that's not something I'd talk about on stage in the middle of these jokes all the time. So I wanted to share some of those stories, but also some application that people could apply to their life. So in the middle of their laughter, while they're laughing at the book, they're like, oh, snap, this is something I could actually do. And I wanted people to be able to do those things as well. So that's why we wrote Funny How Life Works, man. And John Maxwell was nice enough to, to do the forward on this thing, man. So I'm just, I just really want to make uh like I want to make a deposit into people and laughter has a way of just getting in there. Like there's two things, like we mentioned earlier, pain will get there as well, but there's also laughter and joy will get there too. And I'd rather use laughter to help people understand as opposed to in, in a way that can better equip them while or before, or even after they've gone through some, some yeah. pretty hard stuff. That's why it really blessed me to hear that you that you enjoy my comedy, dude, because you've been through it. And now that you're at a place where you get to laugh and I get to help you with some of those laughs, whoa, that is amazing. So you're a testament to the fact that it is funny how life works. It is. Well, and, and not just that, you know, I mean, we've been through a ton, right? And, and walked through our own healing journey, but even in, in ministry, I mean, I was a pastor prior to the tragedy and I'm still a pastor, but I'm just a pastor in a different vein in that we're listening to and absorbing people's pain and their stories over and over and over. I mean, I just spoke at a church this Sunday. I'll be at another church next Sunday. And, I, and there's always a receiving line. When I share my story, people come up and they start sharing their stories with me. And there comes a moment where it just gets so heavy. You know, where you go, I got to put this pain somewhere. And, and of course we, we have to deflect it, put it at the feet of Jesus, right? He's, he's, he didn't call us to carry these burdens, to carry this pain, but there is something so amazing, uh, and just joy filled. It's almost like common grace that we get to like, as you know, for, for a brief moment, just get, get lifted with the type of content that you do, right? The things that you're producing and that you're putting out. It's like for a moment, you kind of take us into a different world. And you allow us to one, one, we, 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 we get to recognize our own humanity, right? We get to laugh at ourselves and not take ourselves so seriously, but, and be reminded of that. But then also you, you, you transport us into a different space. And it's just, it's so helpful when you're just living in so much heaviness all the time, you know? Yeah. Laughter. There's a phrase that I used to use a lot, which is laughter is the tangible evidence of hope. Like if you can get to the point, place, place where you can laugh or at least recognize that something's funny, I think you can find that's a tangible evidence of hope. I'm, I'm speaking this weekend at my church in Dallas at Gateway Church. So I don't know when you're going when you'll drop this podcast, but I'm doing something different than I've ever done before on stage. And it's going to be we're going to laugh a lot. I'm going to talk about some things. But also I'm doing this. Man, I wish I could explain it. I, mean, I wish I could say it now. I just don't want people to. Yeah. Anyway, if you yeah. get a you chance, spoiler alert. go to gatewaypeople.com and watch the service for October 1st weekend and right. just sit back and watch what I do because I hadn't really, I can't wait to see how it turns out, but it's dealing with exactly what you're talking about, David. Like it's, it's dealing exactly with this, but we're going to do it with some comedy wrapped around it. So um, yeah. I can't wait yeah. to see how this thing turns out, man. Like, we're going to do some stuff that nobody's expecting, but we're going to do it right in front of them and they won't even see it. But when they do, I think it's going to bring some, some revelation and some laughter. I can't wait, dude. That's awesome. That's awesome. All right. I got one more question because, you know, we opened up this conversation talking about borrowing people's faith, kind of like in some ways, almost, almost, uh, you know, being carried by other people. And, and that's one of the things we really try to help people who are listening to this podcast understand is you can't do this by yourself right? Your healing journey can't be by yourself. That's one of the enemy's biggest ploys is isolation and trying to get you, uh, you know, uh, diverted from the, the purpose and plan that God has for your life, even in this, the midst of this pain. And so we've got to have people around us. And really we find that the places that we're at now, the, the calling career, the purpose that we're in right now, we've been kind of carried by other people. Can you think of some people in your life 
who really were just pivotal people for you to bring you to this place that you're at right now, doing what you're doing, living the life that you're living. And, uh, and why, why were those people so pivotal? No, I can't think of anybody, man. <laughs> yeah, no, there are some key players. Like even, I don't know why. I'm, so there's this joke I just wrote recently, which doesn't have anything to do with this subject. I'm just trying to get the joke. So I was thinking recently, like my dad is pretty awesome. My dad is amazing in my life. But um, I remember when I was a kid, people used to always talk about, <laughs> this is, this is, <laughs> people used to talk about the importance of being a gentleman. But nobody really teaches you how to be a gentleman. So as a kid, I thought, hey, maybe I'll just go to one of those clubs and see how they do it. Because right on the side, it said gentleman's club. I'm like, maybe that's where you go to learn. But that's not the place to go. If you're, out, if you're listening, you're not going to learn anything about being a gentleman. I told you it had nothing to do with this. So some of the key players for sure, my parents, man, my parents, have, they're just doggone phenomenal. My dad, doggone Michael Sink, man, my parents are awesome. And then uh, my pastors are really good as well. I have a pretty, ugh, my family is pretty dope. But just, um, I think it's, in, and I do this thing too, man, even now, where I'll meditate on God's word and just let him talk to me. But when I meditate, this is so dope. There's five things that I do when I met, because I used to meditate on God's word and just read it. And uh, it, it was okay. Like, it's, I mean, just read it over and over again. But I was like, I, I don't. What is this doing for me? But now what I do, like I just didn't feel it. But now what I do, man, it's so dope, is I'll take a whole verse and then I'll just take a piece of the verse. Like right now I'm in Deuteronomy, right? And Deuteronomy 28.1, it talks about um, uh, if you diligently seek, uh, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God and deserve carefully all his commandments which I command you today. So I just went to if you diligently obey. And I just took that part. And then I started saying it a bunch of times, which I normally do. I just say it a bunch of times. Then I would read it a bunch of times, just look at it. And then I would write it. I'll write, I'll write it a whole bunch of times, over and over and over again. And then I sing it. Dude, so I'm singing it. I'm making up a song from it. And then after I sing it, I will uh, pray it. Be like, God, show me how this works. So doing that is almost like it's almost like chewing and regurgitating or doing it like a cow would do. And because a cow don't really eat their food, they eat it, spit it back, all that stuff. I don't know what it's called. It's nasty. It sounds nasty. But it gives me such understanding and strength and insight and wisdom. So for anybody out there who doesn't have that that person, use the person of 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 Jesus and God's word to actually encourage you but more importantly really actually find another human being because you can't do any of this by yourself you just can't and i got some i'm blessed to have some humans but at the same time i want to be i just want to be where god is and obviously he's in his word so that stuff just encourages me and strengthens me something significantly well michael jr i appreciate you spending some time with us on the nothing is wasted podcast man it's an honor to be able to have a conversation with you and laugh a little bit reflect a little bit be serious uh, and somber, but also be able to, um, smile, you know, it's not something we, not something we get to do often on this podcast. Yeah. I would encourage people to go ahead and, I mean, if you want to get the book, cool, it's great, but for sure, go on YouTube, look up, just Google in Michael Jr. And there's going to be a bunch of stuff to make you laugh, but there's also some stuff that's going to give you some insight about some other things as well. So if you get the book, cool, because the proceeds, there's so much stuff going on in the world. What we're doing with the proceeds from the book is going to uh, to a black family in America. So I do want to say that, which is <laughs> it's just, no, that's awesome. but if you, if not, for sure, go to YouTube, watch a bunch of videos and laugh. Laughter is the tangible evidence of hope. So that's by good. all means, add some laughter to your life. That's so good. That's so good. Well, the book's called Funny How Life Works. I'm going to encourage everybody to go and pick it up and also go to YouTube because that's where we're visiting on the reg. We're over there visiting YouTube, watching Michael Jr. And yeah, but uh, don't just pick the book up. Like if you pick it up, you should take it to the register. That's true. Oh, that's true. You should. Yeah. You should probably go through all those. Steps. You just pick it up and then set it down. That doesn't do anything for me. I just want to point that out there. Just... <laughs> Single click on Amazon. There it is. Single click purchase. Just make sure. Boom. That's it. <laughs> uh, Michael Jr. Thank you so much, man. Dude, you're awesome, man. Way to way to live up to the title of this podcast, dude. Like for real. That's dope. Thank you. 
Davey, I love that episode, and partly because it's so unexpected from Michael right. Jr., like you were saying you know, before we listened to that, that he's obviously a comedian. He's obviously incredibly right. talented and gifted and hilarious. Yeah. But to see this um, wisdom from him, to see this pain from him, to see him even talk about his comedy in a way yeah. that adds like meaning and layers to it. I felt like that was really, really oh, interesting. Man. Doesn't it make you like lean in a little bit more when someone Absolutely. who's as, you know, hilarious as him, you're so mm-hmm. used to, you're waiting for like the punchline of a joke, but then when he gets serious and sober and starts talking about pain, it's kind of, it's like so antithetical. You're going like, whoa. And it makes yeah, you just you, really you can't lean help, in. But like, yeah, absolutely. It was wow. really, really powerful in moments. I, I feel like the story that keeps sitting with me is when he talked about being a young man and the police officers um, came in and really like handled him egregiously. That yeah. one in particular yeah. just treated him like garbage. Ugh. And But there was that crazy moment when they had left and the woman came knocking on his door and like immediately he was sort of called out of his misery. Right by God to go help this woman and still angry, of course, still, I'm sure scared, still, I'm sure having to deal with the pain and the trauma of that violence. Absolutely. But that God did that so quickly to sort of almost snap him out of it to help him move forward. And I, I, it, that stood out to me because I do think we talk and we talk a lot about it here. uh, Nothing is wasted that God, um, the process of healing is long. And of course, yeah. I'm sure Michael Jr. still had healing. Of I'm course. not saying he was like done. Right. But I don't think we talk about these invitations that come right away right. after our pain and our trauma and our grief. And that was right. so instantaneous, but so undeniably the Lord's hand yes, on him. Absolutely. I And I think, I think the reason we miss this oftentimes is because we have this wrong perspective of how life is supposed to be and how the world is supposed to be. Mm. You know, if like I remember my counselor saying, Davey, the wrong fight is to try to make life easy. Hmm. But isn't that Western culture? Western culture is we operate, we go through life thinking and expecting and striving to make life comfortable and easy. And so we get, we get thrown off when life gets difficult, when there's like pain or trauma that hits our life. Right. Because it surprises us. It's like, right. It's like, what it's so a, unexpected. Wait, hold yeah. on, that's not supposed to happen. Hmm. But I wonder if we sh- shifted our perspective and we're like, no, pain and, and trauma is supposed to happen. I mean, isn't that mm. what Jesus said, right? Yeah. In right. this world, you will have sorrow. Mm. But take heart, I will overcome the world. Or I've overcome the world. And, and so I think that if we were to walk through life, not like expecting from this like worrisome, you know, anxious place but like right, not like living yeah, like the bottom's going to drop out fear, but, but expecting but like aware. hey mm-hmm. i know that there's going to be some kind of pain some yeah. kind of hardship that's going to hit my life and when it does i'm prepared mm-hmm. and i'm able to see it from a heavenly perspective i'm able to see it from a different paradigm and a different yeah. vantage point i'm prepared for that now and i think it's it's those that kind of work, and we talk, we talk about sometimes like training for the trial that you're not yet in, right? Yes, it's like absolutely. as you're preparing with that kind of a mindset, then you then you see something or you experience something and you go, oh, your perspective goes, oh, that's, okay, I wonder how God's going to use this now. Mm. Instead of being completely, you know, upended mm. and derailed and now having to find your way back to the, you know, the path, so to speak. Yeah. Does that make sense? It's, it's. Yeah, I do. I mean, it's, it's a little bit easier. I feel like I can see that in other people's lives where I, they're walking mm-hmm. through a hardship and of course you don't want that for them, but you, you almost pastorally can go, Oh yeah. God I can see how this. God's setting this up right now. Yep. Right. I can like, see how he's, you know, just like yes. Michael Jr. is talking about the punchline setting up this joke. It's like, mm-hmm. we can see that in someone else's life. Mm-hmm. But we have so much trouble seeing it our own. Yeah, and I wonder absolutely. if we began to kind of re and he even mentioned this, like reframing the question, mm-hmm. right? When we go through pain and and almost kind of being like, man, I'm I'm excited to see how God uses this now. I'm excited yes. to see the invitation He asks, He invites yes. me into now. Yes, and excited to see how the. I mean, I this may seem Pollyannish, but I do. You know, we know that suffering can lead to Christ likeness when surrendered yeah. to the Lord, and so just to even have that perspective, of like, okay, this can shape in me Christ-like character. This can transform my heart. I can right. experience the presence of God like I never have before because I know those things are true about pain and suffering. Right, right. And so to be able to have that wherewithal to like you were just saying, reframe the the questions and the story you're telling yourself yeah. in your pain and grief 
I think that would give someone a quite a bit of strength to yeah. be able to long suffer and endure well, even as they're holding on to their pain and grief at the right. same time. Right. And and we know that in moments like, especially in the immediate aftermath of pain, right? This crisis that he experienced with this cop, we know of course that the only strength that he's able to, you know, um, acquire is going to be from the Lord. It's going to be a Absolutely. grace given to him from God. Absolutely. But but I, I think sometimes we can clog up that grace flow mm. with a with the limiting perspective that we have, mm. or with this you know, um, the, the, this this not not opening ourselves up to having a perspective that that reframes things and says, all right, God, how are you gonna do, what are you gonna do out of this? How are you gonna use this? That's yeah. not to say that we don't have just ho- like awful horrific pain that we're, that we're feeling in the midst of it, but we can hold those two things in tension. Mm-hmm. They can be held within the same mm-hmm. hands and going, this hurts so deeply. And at the same time, God's going to, he's going to use this. Yeah. And if it hurts this deeply, how much more is God going mm. to, I mean, you think of, this light and momentary affliction is what scripture tells us is producing for us an eternal weight of glory. Well, it doesn't feel right. light and momentary when it's, Absolutely. When it's in it. but if your mind and your heart is framed with that truth, you can go, okay, well, as heavy as this feels, how much heavier is going to be the glory that this thing is going mm, to, that's going to be produced amen. out of this, right? Yeah. Because the comparison in, in, in scripture is, it, it doesn't even, it's not even the same scale. Yeah. And so I think so good, that's where we can, we've got to, we've got to train our hearts and train our minds to reframe um, how we approach these situations and what we see coming out of these situations. And like you said, do it uh, yeah, as much as you can in advance. Yeah. Right, yeah. so that when the moment hits you, you're, right. you're as ready by the grace of God as you can. Yeah, be. it's just changing the way we see the world. Mm-hmm. Right? There you if go. We, we can't yeah. we can't be we can't be duped into thinking that this world is all about our comfort. Mm. And if that's the case, if we're if we're thinking we're going to be sorely disappointed over and over and over, this world's not our home. We yeah. are aliens here, and we're going to experience so much pain, so much hardship, and yet He has overcome the world. That's right. Amen. Oh, it's so good. I feel like you're mm. preaching to me right now, Davey. Thank you for this. This is actually one of the things that we are so passionate about at Nothing Is Wasted. That's honestly giving you the tools to reframe your story, yeah. to take back your story, to long suffer well, to stay faithful even when it is so, so difficult. And because of that, we have a lot of resources for you. Yeah. Uh, we have the Pain to Purpose course for churches and individuals. Um, we have uh, certified guides mm-hmm. who you can hire who will literally walk with you through yeah. the the different pain point that you're in and mm-hmm. and show you what it is. Because these are certified guides who have been ahead of you. Right. Um, right. So they can show it. you what it looks like to suffer well and yeah. to reframe their story. You can join a community group. All of the resources we have for you are available at nothingiswasted.com. Yeah. And if you want to stay up to date on any new resources that we're releasing, we're doing some really cool things. We've got some new stuff coming down the pike. We're totally revamping our community platform. We're coming out with a new membership platform. Uh, if you want to stay up to date on all that stuff, subscribe to our email list. You can do that at nothingiswasted.com. You'll get updates on new podcast releases, giveaways, blog posts, um, ministry updates, where we're going to be, what's going on. So that way you can stay within the whole community, the whole family of Nothing Is Wasted and see what's happening. We want to thank Sleeping At Last for providing all the music for the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. You can download his music anywhere music can be downloaded or streamed. And we want to make sure that while you are tapping into these resources that you also are following us on Instagram. You can follow Nothing Is Wasted at Nothing Is Wasted Ministries. Follow me at Davy Blackburn and follow Aubrey at Obsamp. And next week, we are so excited. We are joined by Naomi Widmer and Teresa Glantz. I'm so excited about this episode. This Woo. is a powerhouse yeah. of an episode. Yeah. You are not going to want to miss it. Let's go ahead and take a listen to part of Davy's conversation with Naomi and Teresa. So at the age of 10, I began spending time with my little girlfriend, and together we were invited to her next-door neighbor's home, a widower in his 60s. Uh, We were always excited to go there because he started off by always giving us a bowl of ice cream, and that was just a fun thing to have. But it quickly became apparent that this widower had other intentions than just giving us ice cream. 
He was a master at grooming little girls, and soon we fell victim to his games. One day he sent my friend home, leaving me there all alone with him. I had no control over what happened next. I was horribly molested, and I was made to feel as if it were my fault. As soon as I could get away, I remember running as fast as my little legs could take me from his home. I ran so fast, I shook, I cried, feeling the worst shame and pain a little girl should ever have to feel.